Welcome to another episode of Shit Your Mama Ain't Tell You podcast with Erica and Brianna J, where we explore all of the things about motherhood that your mama ain't tell you. From navigating being a new mama to managing mom guilt and mental health, we tackle it all through the lens of two Black millennial mamas. We're in here, season two, episode two. Two twos. Two, yes. Oh, I like it. Angel numbers. Well, mm-hmm. look at what that means. But yeah, so today we are talking fourth trimester. This is the trimester surprise that nobody tells you about until mm-hmm. right before it starts, or you just find out when it starts. And very, very happy to introduce our very first guest. Yes. Someone yay. who is super, super special to me. She's not only my cousin, but she's basically like my best friend and like sister, Ashley. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited. So um, we mentioned in the last episode that Erica and I had some surprises for this season and bringing guests in to some of the episodes is one of the surprises. And so super happy to have Ashley join us for this episode Um, We couldn't think of anyone better to join us because Ashley is right in or wrapping up her fourth trimester um, being a new mommy. So I'll let you, Ashley, tell the people um, your experience with fourth trimester and tell us all about your little bambino. Yes, I first off, I'm just so in love. Like, you know, everyone tries to tell you like, oh, you're just, your heart's going to burst. You're going to be so in love. But until you actually experience it, like you just, mm-hmm. nothing compares like, so much. Um, I do feel like my fourth trimester is a little different. Me and my husband are a little crazy. Um, not only did we decide that we're going to have a baby, we're going to purchase a house and we're going to move and we're going to move across state lines. So all of this tied into one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. So all this tied into one, it just day to day. I'm just like one moment at a time, Ashley, one moment at a time. Um, beyond those things that we decided to add into the mix, just in general with the fourth trimester, I will say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up for sure. We could call this, we could call this episode, wow. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yes. You know, everyone tells you like, oh, you get the sleep that you can, you you know, all that stuff. And you're like, yeah, like I'm getting the sleep and I'll be fine. No, it's, you're not fine. Like I remember one day I went upstairs to get something for the baby and I literally just sat on the bed and like went to sleep and Remy came upstairs and was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. I'm, I didn't even realize I fell asleep. Didn't realize I fell asleep. Uh, so the sleep sleep deprivation and waking up every X amount of hours, especially because we're nursing. So getting accustomed to that and making sure my milk supply is up. It's it's a lot, but it's it's a good a lot. Like I'm happy that he God chose me to be his mom, and I couldn't even imagine my world without him. Now even with all those other stressors and sleep not having sleep and emotional roller coaster of the fourth trimester, especially with um, yes. relearning myself, relearning my husband, reopening all these emotions and things like 
it's crazy. Like just, it's a whirlwind of emotions. Good, good, good. The cause of the emotions are good, but still a lot to take on and try to un, un, unravel, I guess, is the easiest way to say Yeah, it. yeah, definitely. And I think part of that is because it's we don't learn about that. Like similar mm-hmm. to what we were talking about in episode one, where when you're prepping for birth, C-sections aren't something that people prep for. And I know, Ashley, you had a C-section too. Like nobody prepares to have a C-section, right? Like you, you know that it's something that could happen, but you're not like, oh, let me go in and make sure that I'm ready for this C-section. And I think it's the same thing with the fourth trimester. It's like, you don't even know that it's a thing. And if you do, you probably don't know enough to really prepare for. I don't think there's a way that you can be adequately prepared for it. You I know would what agree. I mean? Because yeah. it's going to throw you curves. Like, even like what you said, Ashley, like you had life stuff that was happening. You didn't know that all of that stuff, like some of that stuff you couldn't necessarily prepare for. And even if you prepared for that, either you can't prepare for the way the fourth trimester hits. I think, and for me, like the sleep thing, definitely. And I almost like, pay, Trey kind of hit me with the pump fake because in the beginning, <laughs> I was like, what is everybody complaining about? All he did was sleep. Basically, mm-hmm. like he would wake up and feed and then he was sleeping more than he was doing anything else. So I was just like, did I just hit the lottery? Did I get one of those babies that just sleep all the time? Or right. like, what? <laughs> like, what's happening here? And then around like week three, mm-hmm. maybe even week two, I was like, oh, <laughs> That I think it was the same way for me. It like it took a second for him to be like, "Oh, I'm out now, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm just gonna be up at two in the morning and sleep all through the day." Um, yeah, it it was the same exact thing for me. And he slept so much in the beginning, and then was nursing so much that I didn't know. I couldn't tell if he was getting enough. Mm. Like with the with the nursing, because you know, obviously, when you're nursing directly and not pumping, you don't really know how much they're getting, and you're hoping they're getting enough. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to tell, and that's you know part of figuring everything out when you first are getting home. Yeah, and I think the other piece of it is that, and it's important for people to know. At least I haven't met anyone that's had that type of setup. Maybe for like Beyonce and them, but like <laughs> your life doesn't stop. Like no. your bills don't stop coming. Your groceries don't stop needing to be purchased. Your partner doesn't stop needing attention and interaction. Your parent, like nothing stops. Mm -hmm. Everything that was going on before you got pregnant and before you had your baby with the exception of work, if you're lucky, is still happening. Except now you have this person who is not a fan of like regular sleeping hours. Right. (laughs) is like right up next to you that like wants you and needs you all the time. Mm -hmm. And the, it's a kind of exhaustion that I had never experienced before, because I think as adults, we get tired, we push ourselves for work or for whatever else, but we control when we decide to say, all right, F it, I'm going to go to sleep. When you have a baby, you literally have, like, I think I know for me, I really, I won't say learn the definition of perseverance because I've been in other situations where I've had to persevere, but like I learned the definition of like just pushing through because Mm -hmm. I can't go to sleep. 
No. And like you, Ashley, I would sit on the bed and I was like, okay, I do a feeding or a change or whatever. And I'd be like, do, 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 do. And then be like, oh shit, I just fell asleep for like five minutes. Is he okay? Okay. And then feel like the worst mom yeah. ever. But yo, I haven't slept in like, who knows how long I'm running on fumes and I'm just, and your hormones are all out of whack. Like you go from being in a in one state for literally 10 months and then within like five, 10 minutes, like when your baby comes out, however he or she or they is, are delivered. And then like you, again, you still have to go and function. Like your body mm-hmm. is not right. Like you, nothing about you is right. And I think experiencing everything that you're experiencing and then experience it on no sleep like, I don't know any new mom who does not have that moment where they just feel like completely and totally like exhausted, drained and overwhelmed. It's like, I would just like to curl up in the corner and cry. That's and literally then, it's what I thought of you. Yes. That's I 100% still have too. Yeah. <laughs> I still have those days and I'm two yeah. years in. So yeah, like, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think they ever go away. I'm sure there's people who have teenagers and still have those days. Yeah. yeah. They're probably probably sleep a little bit better than we do. Yeah. Or right. Really yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with the I have a question for both of you. Um, because I know in my situation, I just watch way too much TV because I thought that like oh, it'll be fine because I'll take the morning shift and Eric will take the night shift and he can sleep. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Like this Wally and B, what is that? Wally and the Beaver or whatever, like June <laughs> Beaver, uh-huh. like, you know, perfect little family setup. Like, nah, it doesn't work like that. Like the, I used to make fun of my mom because I would walk past her room and she would be like, what? If she was asleep, like wake up out of her sleep, I'd be like, bro, did nobody even say anything to you? Like, what is your problem? But now I get it. It's like when you have a kid, you hear everything. The quality of the way that you sleep. It's not even the amount. Like I get to sleep through the night now. My son sleeps like 12 hours a night, but I wake up at the smallest things because it's like, I can't even fully like get into my REM cycle because I know (laughs) that if my baby, like I have to be you know, alert in case my baby wakes up. So my question is, how was that experience for you guys? One, balancing the responsibilities because both of you guys have, you know, Ashley, you're married. Erica, you have Jonathan. I don't, I'm not, you guys weren't married when you had Elijah, but. Yeah, not at the time, but we were together. Yeah, you guys were together and he was, you know, you guys were were physically together when you were bringing Mm -hmm. Elijah home. What was that like for you? I'll share my experience, but I want to know what was that like for you guys? Like sharing the responsibilities, like were Jonathan and Remy like waking up and alert or did you feel like it was kind of like a a mama's thing? Like, was he all chipper and well-rested? Like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, I've been up for five hours. That's how I'm doing. Because that was my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'll let you go ahead, Ashley. You go first. Yours is the freshest. <laughs> I will say Remy started off really... Every time I woke up, baby woke up, like he was getting up with me. Like, even though we were nursing, he would wake up and change the diaper and just be like real supportive and be like, okay, yeah, we're doing this as a team. And that slowly declined (laughs) (laughs) real quick. And it's just, and and it's not funny, but sometimes I'm just like, I remember there was an incident in the hospital 
where Remy was like, he wanted the baby to, the bassinet to be on his side. He was like, you try to get some rest. You know, I'll, if he just needs a diaper change, like I'll do it. And it's time to nurse. Like I'll, I'll bring him over to you. So like you said, Brie, like you're never like fully asleep, right? So we're probably three days in it. We're still in the hospital. And I hear, I hear little Remy crying, like screaming. I have a video screaming. So I walk over and Remy's just knocked out and I wake him up and I'm like, you know, what happened to like you saying whatever? He's like, I'm just sleeping too good. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Oh I'm sleeping too good and you can't be bothered. Okay. <laughs> Must be nice, sir. Listen, I've never slept that good since Elijah's been born. I swear. It was the same thing for like similar situations with, with Eric. Like in the beginning, it was like both of us would wake up and he would he would just check in. He would be like, you good? Do you need help? And I, me being me, like control freak, I got mm-hmm. it. My baby, all my issues that I'll work out in therapy later. Um, I was like, no, I'm good. And he would go back to sleep. And then it went from that to like, not even like just kind of rolling over. Like it, not even when he would initially start crying, it would be like if, if Trey would cry and I would get to him and he would still be crying, he would wake up like, Almost like not with an attitude, but it was the energy was like, damn, he's still crying. You ain't got him to go back to sleep yet. He would be like, <laughs> wake up and be like, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with him? And I'm like, he's. Don't you help me figure it out? Yeah, it's like I and I did have a moment where I was like, I have like, I have issues, but it's okay. I mean, because this is where like you're crazy, right? Like your hormones are all over the place. I'm tired. I've been doing this five days straight. Because I like they sleep, you get these little hours and pockets of sleep, and then you have to be up during the day. There's other things you have to do. So I was just sitting there like rocking him, and he did his like, is he okay? And he just would not go to sleep. He was fed, he was dry. It was just one of those things where he wanted to cry. And I was like, Can you please help me? Like, you're just laying there asleep, and I'm here. Like, I want to go to sleep. And he was like, Give him to me, give him to me. Like, he could see, like, okay, the crazy is all on you. Just give him to mm-hmm. me. And then, of course. Now I now I didn't go to sleep. I sat up and watched him and was like, was like, what are you doing? He needs this, he needs that. He was like, to make sure he, does everything he right. was like, look, you said you needed to go to sleep. So I got him. Take your ass go to sleep. sleep. <laughs> right. He was like, take your ass to sleep. And he was like, I don't know what you want from me. And I was like, no, give him to me. Give him, give me my baby. I know what to do. Give me my baby. He was like, you know what? I'm going to go sleep on the couch because I don't even know what you want from me at this point. And we had several of those moments because it was this like just frustration, not even with him, just with the reality of what life was at the moment. Like, bro, I'm freaking tired and this baby will not go to sleep. And then also all on top of all of that, feeling guilty for feeling that way, for like being so frustrated with my baby that he just would not sleep so I could sleep that I felt guilty. And then of course people, you better sleep while the baby's sleeping. Oh, okay, cool. You gonna come over and do my laundry and cook me something to eat and like wash my hair and my ass because I haven't been right. having to take a shower yet. Or when do you suggest I do that? Because I, if I sleep for this little two hours that buddy is asleep. Nothing's getting done. Like, right, because dude still had to go out and his dad was still, you know, he had to go and work. Okay, so yeah, for me, it was similar to y'all. It's like in the beginning, um, Jonathan did get up with Elijah. I would say he was, I felt like he was always willing to get up throughout, but it was the same thing. Like he didn't hear what I would hear. 
And I would even, he would sleep through all of it and I wouldn't say anything. And then, you know, we both get up in the morning and he'd be like, how you sleep? I'm like, uh, terrible because your son was up. Oh, he was up. Why didn't you wake me up? Because like, I don't want to be that asshole. Like I'm already up. Let me just go ahead and deal with it. But it would be, I would be like in tears some nights, some nights because I would be just so freaking exhausted. And not to mention, like I had nursing issues that we spoke about in first the first season um so it was a lot of times a struggle um and then especially at night because you know i'm not trying to turn a bunch of lights on i'm not trying to wake everybody up it was just it was a mess on top of the hormones like i don't feel like and that was what i was going to ask you ladies to kind of lead into next was I don't feel like I had like postpartum depression but i definitely had the baby blues like now that I think about it and I look yeah. back on how I interacted with people and just how I felt, like I wasn't smiling like at all. Like yeah. the first, it, not the whole time, but for sure the first month. The first month I was like, I wasn't sad or upset. Like I just was like, I didn't have really much emotion. Like I was just mm-hmm. trying to get it done. I was trying to figure things out on top of, you know, me having the postpartum preeclampsia. So I was taking like high blood pressure pills for the first month and then my nursing issues and all that. I was just like trying to make it through the day, basically. Mm. Yeah, I had the big, I think I don't, I know I didn't have postpartum depression and I was really, really aware and kind of on the lookout for those warning signs because I have a history of depression just period like I've had mm-hmm. depressive episodes before um and so I was like really diligent about going to therapy when I was pregnant and like just kind of preparing I almost expected myself to have it but mm-hmm. I didn't I did have the baby blues but mine was late I would say mine probably set in towards the end of my fourth trimester so like when Trey was around 3 months old and I think and I don't even really know what the trigger was for it, but I just started, I went from feeling like I had it under control, like I was tired, but I felt like I had a routine. I had a lot of support. People were telling me that I was doing a good job, which was helpful for me. But around month three, I just started to like, I think, and I think too, because of COVID, so I wasn't going anywhere and going out with my baby. And I started to feel sad that he wasn't interacting with people that he didn't know you know, his family members as well. It's like my vision of what my motherhood journey would be wasn't panning out because mainly because of COVID and like that feeling of being helpless, like I couldn't do anything to change it. And then also being a little stir crazy, like just being stuck in the house all the time with this little human that I love, you know, with all of me, but at the same time is disrupting my sleep and, shitting everywhere and spitting (laughs) up and, you know, being a baby. Right. And then being at home a lot. um, I won't say a lot, but having some days, long days at home by myself, just because, you know, Mm -hmm. Eric's in Arbor. So he would leave like on a Saturday, he leaves, he would leave here at like 830 in the morning and come back after 10 o'clock at night because he's trying to, I'm not working. So he's trying to get every head that he can. And that's a long time to be on baby duty by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I had no help because of the safety of it all. And it started to, I think, really weigh on me in month three to the point where like you were saying, Erica, I was just trying to get through the day. Like I was just trying to get through the day. And I think something 
I think a, a part of the reason why it's so important to talk about the fourth trimester is so that other people like support people understand that it's, it is a real thing and they're just as supportive, if not more during that time frame as they are during your pregnancy. Because I feel like people expect new moms to be like, like you said, Ashley, when you, we first started, like, I love him with everything. And it's, it is, it is a love that you can't describe. And it's such mm -hmm. a great thing to be a mom, but that shit is hard. Mm -hmm. Especially in the first three months, because you are getting used, like you said, you're learning yourself, you're learning your baby, you're relearning the aspects of your relationship, and you're taking care of another human being. And in all of our cases, having to really take care of and love on ourselves, because we just had major surgery to bring the life into the world. That's a lot. So like, it, I think it's important to really like break that down and talk through it like we are right now. So people understand like you can expect your partner to be overwhelmed. If they're a new mother, they're going to be overwhelmed. I think it's inevitable unless you're like Beyonce. And I'm sure she was overwhelmed too, even though she had yeah. like an army of people yeah. changing diapers and wiping asses, like you're still overwhelmed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I don't, how about you, Ashley? Do you feel like you had postpartum or the baby blues at all? And when I talked about it and I was expressing to you, I was feeling, and you were like, oh, I think you have a bit of baby blues. But the more time that went on and the more it progressed, like I do think I had and have postpartum. I think I'm still going through it and trying to navigate through that. I know the few times we went um, to the doctor for myself and for, um, little Remy, they have you fill out like, you know, the questionnaire because they want to check mm -hmm. in on the mom. And each time she was like, yeah, you, you scored pretty high. Like, you know, you may want to check in with your doctor mm -hmm. and things like that because I, I was honest. And it's to the point where, and I think some people just correlate like, oh, you have postpartum, like you want to hurt your baby or something like that. And it's not yeah, like the crazy extreme situations. Yeah. For me, it was like my anxiety, crazy. Like, if I wasn't driving, if my husband was driving, I couldn't relax because I didn't have control. Like I thought something bad was going to happen in the car or all of a sudden we purchased this new beautiful home. I'm worried about it catching on fire. I'm all these extremes. It's not like little things. Or even if I'm walking with Alex, am I going to trip and fall and hurt him? And like mm -hmm. all these things. And then I remember reaching out to my mom and I was just kind of telling her and I was crying on the phone with her. And I know that initially she's like, I want to just tell you, like, you have so much to be happy for you. Like you have a healthy baby, you have this new home, you have a husband, but she's like, I know it's more than that. And I'm telling you, like, get help, like reach out to your doctor and let them know that you're feeling these things. So you don't have to, you know, go through this by yourself and keep mm -hmm. feeling this way. Um, when there are other alleys that you can take to try to make yourself feel better. Yeah. And I think that's important too. And I'm proud of you for being honest at the doctor, because yes. I know, or even for me, like I've, I've said this a million times and you guys both know I've been in therapy for a really long time. And so, and I'm a champion of therapy and like mental health and, and awareness and all of that. But still like when I go to the doctor and have to fill out like that, that question, like, do you have a history of anxiety and depression? I'm always hesitant to say yes, because they're still as, as widely accepted as it's been now compared to like 10 years ago, the conversations about mental health in general and postpartum depression, there's still a stigma attached to it. And mm -hmm. it's like, once you put that on paper, it 
almost like makes it real. And then you really do have to deal with it. But I, to your mom's point, it's important because if we're not okay, our babies won't be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fair and understandable to feel the way that we do in that fourth trimester. It's a whole new world and there is no manual. There are no guidelines and you can have the most supportive partner. I think all three of us have and had supportive partners in the ways that we needed them to be. But we all just said like, yeah, they were supportive. They offered to help was all, you know, would wake up X, Y, and Z, but we still ended up doing it. I think that's just what motherhood looks like, especially in that first three months, because that's your baby. Like it literally you spent more time with that baby inside of you than you have outside of you at that point. And so it's like, you don't even like even leaving them. I know for me, the first time I really like was away from Trey for more for like overnight was my birthday, which is in July. Um, And it wasn't even, it was like a week after my birthday. So it was literally like almost to the day, right at the end of my fourth trimester. It was like, he had just made three months and I was like, okay, I feel like I'm ready. And I spent, it was when we went to brunch downtown. Yeah. We went to brunch downtown, me, her, and some of our mutual friends. And then I got, we got a hotel room, Eric and I, and we spent the night eight o'clock in the morning. I was like, get up. We got to go. He was like, checkouts not till 11. I said, we have to go. I want to go get my child. He was like, what's wrong? I said, nothing. He was here at my house. My sister came and watched him at my house. I was like, I would just be more comfortable if you watched him at my house. And like, everything was fine. She sent me all the pictures and the videos, but I was like, "Mm, enough's enough. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't even a full 24 hours because I think I dropped him off the day before at like two o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. But I was like, no, gotta go. Yeah. Like no, it's like impossible. I don't think I'd left Elijah's side overnight. I don't think actually I might not have ever left him anywhere overnight and not seen him, which is really? like crazy. Yeah. I don't trust nobody. I'm sorry. How old is Elijah? <laughs> Elijah's three. Three. But I also don't live like a by a lot of my family. So it would be different if I had a lot of family really close to me. Mm-hmm. I definitely, we definitely would have been gone somewhere. But like we have some family, but they live like far out um, over an hour away from us. And I just have never felt like super comfortable with him like staying the night with anybody. Um but I in the like the first the first time I really had to leave him for a prolonged period of time was when I went back to work um after my first three months and that was like i was like crying leaving the house like why do i have to leave him yep yeah i sent her a picture i was literally she's like so how is it going and i sent her a picture like i'm currently crying in the car like i felt so bad you just went back to work this week this is ashley's first week back at work oh and like she shared they moved it's a lot but it's, she had to do a lot to get back to work. And I feel that. And I am, am so blessed. I mean, you guys both know I, because of the situation, COVID, me not working, everything, I didn't go back to work until 10 months after Trey was born. And I was like, Mom. and I work from home. Like, <laughs> but I still, it was like, it wasn't the physical separation because you guys know he goes to daycare, but it was more of like, I'm used to my life has been 
tray. Yeah. Like we get up, okay, we have, we're we going to eat, eat, we're going to play, we're going to do tummy time, we're going to read our books, then we're going to take a nap. Like I had really settled into a routine with my baby. And now just to know that, like, what if he crawls? What if he walks? What if he says something? What if he, like, the guilt? Like, going back to season one, episode one, the guilt of having to leave him even, you know, after that, I can only imagine, like, I, you guys are super women and all of the women out there that, like, leave, it's insane. Like, they don't it's even the hard in the wild, like, leave mm-hmm. your child after three months and the fact that we, so many women have to, makes me really mad, but. Yeah, come on, some only get six weeks, which is crazy in itself, too. So, yeah, yeah that's what my, that's my job did, too, and I prolonged it. I'm like, I can't come back after six weeks. So you crazy? You're not even yeah. fully healed from a C-section. No. You're still like figuring it out, feeling, you know, make sure that you're healed inside and outside after six weeks. And depending on the type of work that you do, that could be dangerous. And then you have in your mind, your mind's not settled. And then I think most women are like the postpartum depression or baby blues. It's not like a switch flips at the end of your third month um, postpartum, like at the end of fourth trimester. It's not like when you, at the end of your pregnancy, where it's like, okay, I spit the baby out. Now I'm not pregnant anymore. Like, no, you still are hormonal. You still are adjusting. You're still tired. You're still overwhelmed. You're still learning and redefining all of the relationships around you because now you're a mother. Like none of that stuff shuts off. It just, I think after that three months, you're kind of settled into that, all of that newness and you're still trying to figure it out. But that initial like shock and adjustment period has ended, but like none of it goes away. It's just now it's like, okay, this is my life now. (laughs) What am I going to do with it? Kind of thing. I um, am curious to know from you guys, because this is something that I struggled and still struggle with just in general, but like asking for help. So I know like Erica, Mm -hmm. you just said like, you've never, you guys don't live close to like family really. So I know you guys have some people like neighbors and stuff that you yeah with but when it came to that fourth trimester and you needing support not just like emotionally like ashley you said of course you know we lean on each other and i know you lean on your mom and other friends but when you need like that tactical help like Mm -hmm. i used to once i got a little bit more comfortable like really towards the end of the third tribe or the fourth trimester i would be like mom i need to go to target like when things were open up, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to come and pick you up. Can you just sit in the backseat of the car with Trey while I go in Target? Because I didn't want to take him in the store. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Target drive up wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go get what we need without help? Like I can't, I didn't really want anyone in my house, mm-hmm. like where we spend all of our time. And, you know, people have, nobody else's life has been affected just because I had a baby. Like, my sister still works. My dad still works. Like, I can't ask them to stop what they're doing so I can go to Target. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to know, how has that been going for you, Ashley? And, Erica, how was that experience for you? Like, just asking for help. Did you feel like you had people to ask? And what, how did that actually, what was that experience like? Like, just kind of recognizing when you needed to reach out. I would say for me, I well, I shot myself in the foot thinking, you know, when you prior to having the baby, like you're, you know, 
coming up on your due date. I was like, oh, I don't need help right away. It'll be okay if my mom comes like a week or two after, like an idiot. And obviously at the time, I did not know I was having a C-section either. Um, But still, either way, I needed that help like really bad right in the beginning. And on top of having a C-section, emergency C-section, and then having my postpartum preeclampsia and having going back in the hospital and then come home and be on um, high blood pressure medication and try to get myself back right. Like I really, really needed that help in the beginning. Um, And I didn't ask for it. Like I waited until my mom got there. And of course I got help from Jonathan and he did as best as he could to help me. But I really, I wished I would have not tried to be so like, oh, I got this. I don't need help right away. You can come a little bit later. Like, no, you need help immediately. And with a regular, you know, non-emergency delivery you just need that help because you you don't know what you're doing it's like I don't know about for you guys but like when they let you discharge you from the hospital I was like I have to go home by myself with this baby like there's not a nurse coming with with me it's like they almost need to leave you alone in the hospital to give you like a little prep session because they spoil you like in the hospital they're coming in they're offering you pain medicine every two hours you can can go to the nursery like they putting the baby on your boob for you so you don't even really have to practice the last you like this motherhood shit is easy i had the same experience when we got home i remember sitting on the couch we were eating and trey was like in his little sleeper boppy thing and i just remember looking at him and thinking to myself like so now what right like, <laughs> so I, I was looking at him like like what's up player like looking at me like just you wait <laughs> Uh, I would say for me, I learned quickly that I was going to need help and was asking for help. So I wanted um, my mom or my parents to come up and his parents because so I'm from Illinois and my husband's from Omaha and we lived in Iowa at the time. So with COVID, we couldn't have anyone else in the room, of course, but we wanted it to be fair for the grandparents to meet baby at the same time. So we're like, oh, you know, they can come up. I wanted them to come up like maybe a day or two after we got back from the hospital. But my husband was like, nope, we just need this time just to bond as a new family of three and figure these things out. And I was like, okay, like he got me on board with that. And I guess in hindsight, it kind of worked out because we ended up being in the hospital a little bit longer because a uh, little Remy had jaundice really bad. He had ABO mismatching with like our blood's not mixing well and things like that. So we were in the hospital for a week and a half. And then we went home and they got readmitted again. So it it was a lot. Um, but I would say in the midst of all that, you know, we were moving, purchasing a house and quickly our our support system stepped up and anything we asked and needed help with, like they were there a drop of a dime. Our pastor helped us move. Um, Remy's parents drove from Omaha to Iowa, then to Iowa, to Illinois, to watch the baby and be with him while we were getting things in order. Once we're getting all settled and his parents went back, like my parents stepped up and we could drop little, I call my son Alex and Remy, so I go back and forth. (laughs) He has multiple names. We were dropping him off with my parents so we can just go to the store and not have to worry about like taking him in and out and Mm -hmm. keeping him entertained. So I I would say within the first couple of weeks, I was like, okay, we need help and I'm not afraid to ask for it. Like, that's amazing. This is what our family and support systems are for. We need we need to ask him for help. I was reaching out to Bria every day, sending her video. Then I caught COVID. It was just a lot. Uh, <laughs> it, 
was a lot. It was. Even from like a support perspective, I was like, damn, they can't catch a break. And like, you don't want to react. You don't want to react to them because like, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, they were just so, my heart just broke for them. Yeah, my husband had knee surgery. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a lot. Oh my goodness. And it was hard. It was, you know, it's like when people are like, when you keep telling somebody it's going to be okay. But then you're like, damn, I don't know if it's going to be okay. Like, when? (laughs) Y'all need a vacation. (laughs) But I will say, and I tell them all the time, and that's kind of what I said, like, they endured so much during the fourth trimester, like you shared at the at the top of you know this episode, just because of what life was throwing at you guys. And they have handled it all with so much grace and so much like poise, because I would have been a hot mess. And she definitely did not hesitate to reach out for help. And I, you know, and I think that's important to know because as moms especially like we talked about yesterday when we recorded the uh, C-section episode, you know, I don't know if you felt this way, Ashley, but Eric and I shared the same sentiment that like, in a way we kind of felt like we failed because we didn't deliver vaginally. Like, like, I don't know. We just had like negative feelings about having to have a C-section. So afterwards it was almost like this extra motivation to prove ourselves. And like, I know for me, that was part of the reason why, I didn't. And that's just how I am as a person anyway. Like I don't really ask for help. I I tend to try to do things on my own, but I think it's important if there's ever a time in your life where you are going to ask for help, ask for it when you are in your fourth trimester, because that is when I think if we can talk about just like the first year of motherhood, I think that's when you will need the most support and the most help. And I think when you don't ask for help, or if when you don't tap into yourself enough to recognize like, hey, I need help, that's when things can start to run away from you. And I think that's when postpartum depression can get to a dangerous point, not where you're going to harm your baby, but where you're just so detached from who you are that it really starts to affect the things and people around you. Um, and I think it's just important to have at least one person or one support group where um, you can be honest about how you're feeling. Cause I know like one of the fears that I had was that I wouldn't connect with my baby right away. Like I remember reading some stories and like one celebrity story in particular, like Tamar Braxton was, was public about how, when she first gave birth, she didn't feel a connection with her son and she got dragged for it. People were like, but that's a thing. Some people don't feel that instant, like that love and connection. People feel the other emotions stronger than they feel the love. And I think a lot of people keep that to themselves again, for fear of being judged or for fear of whatever the stigma is, but those type of questioning and feeling unsure and feeling overwhelmed, all of that is important to express so that the people around you can like your, like your support system did actually like swoop in and help. Like, mm-hmm. yo, this is a lot. Like they got, cause y'all didn't have to share everything that you shared. Like, Oh, we have to stay in the hospital because of this, or, you know, Remy's having the surgery or that y'all just could have powered through, but you know, ask for your help and also know who your support system is and who your support people are before you give birth. Like I know for me, even though I had COVID like 
my godmother was like, I'll make some things in the slow cooker and I'll bring them by so you can freeze them. Like, I'm not going to come in, but I'll just leave them on the front step. My therapist was like, I have some things for you. Where's a safe place where I can leave it? You know, my mom and, you know, Ashley checking in on FaceTiming all the time. Like people were doing as much as they could. My sister would go anywhere for me and just leave it on the front step or she would actually, she broke the rules. She actually would come in the house. So she, she met Trey before anybody else really, because she was like, you, you can't go down the stairs. You just had a C-section. So why can't I leave it at the front door? I'm bringing it in. And I'm like, no, but I said all that to say, like, ask for help. And accept it too. When yes. it's offered. Yeah. I think yes. it's harder. Do you guys think it's harder to accept it when it's offered or to ask for it? I think for me, ask. yeah, for me it's to ask too, for sure. See, for me, it's to accept it. Cause I feel like if you asking me, I need help. You, you trying to say I'm failing. Like you, like you see, it's like when you see somebody with a bunch of groceries at the grocery store, uh, you need some help. Like, no, I got, no, bro, I got it. I'm in I got this. Like, but if you're, I feel like if I'm asking for help now, I'm in control of the situation. But if somebody's offering me help, it, I don't know. That's just how my mind works. It's like, no, I'm good. Like I hardly ever, I don't really accept help. I'll ask for it. Because then I can set it up in the way that I want to uh-huh. and not because I want to control somebody or be manipulative or anything, just because like, it feels like, okay, I asked for help because I know I needed help. Like I was telling my dad earlier, like if I'm asking for help, it's because I have no other options. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I'm accepting help, I start to get self-conscious. Like, well, what am I doing? Or what are you seeing? What are you looking at where you feel like I need help? Which is crazy because- people just want to be nice and ask you for help. Just <laughs> like, so whether you ask for it or accept it, um, use the help. Use it, please. While you can, because they're not going to want to help forever. Like I have a younger cousin. She loves to babysit, but her rule is once they start talking, she on full with it. She's like, Mm-mm. once they start talking, <laughs> nope. <laughs> because that's when we'll they raise out. Dudes and and she'll, she'll still like, I don't know though. Cause I just asked her to babysit on Friday and she's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't. I was like, oh, try talking too much. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess you're talking too much now. Bottom fruit snacks and stuff. And I think it is easier to help. Like I had a friend that was like, Brie, I know like, I'll just come and sit and you tell me what to do or I'll just sit there with him while he sleeps. You can do whatever you want to do. My, my photographer friend, Keisha. And she was like, I'll do that for you, Brie. Like I don't live that far. And I never accepted her offer and I haven't asked. And I know that she would. It's like, it's, and it's nothing against her. I love her. And she's so good with Trey. She takes all of his photos. It's so patient. It's just something like, nah, I got it. She always said the same thing. She said, I watch him, just bring him over. And she's watched him a few times for me, but I'm like, I would always not in the not now, but in the past, I would be like, oh, I don't really want to ask her. I don't want to inconvenience her. And she has kids that are like in middle school, high school age. Actually, her daughter just started babysitting for Elijah, which is amazing. Um, but I still would be like, I don't want to inconvenience her. I don't, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But I'm learning. Like it's hard. Yeah, I think as I get older, yeah, yeah, and and that kind of brings me to my another question. And I think one of the biggest things I think this might be one of the things that I actually did read about is like the relationships, like how your relationships are affected 
when you give birth, uh, particularly in the fourth trimester, and not just the relationship with your partner, but just the relationship or ships with the people closest to you. Um, I know in my case, I think having Trey, I read that when you have a baby, your relationships, whatever they're founded on, if the relationship is negative or toxic, or if there's problems, it's going to come to light once, you know, you have your child. If the relationship is the opposite of that, if it's positive and everything great, then that'll come to light. It's like it kind of washes away all of the the bells and whistles on it and exposes every relationship for what it really is. And Mm -hmm. I absolutely think that that was true in my case, 100%. I was telling my mom the other day, I think since Ashley, Ashley and I have always been close, but Ashley, you can tell me if you agree, but I think when I got pregnant with Trey, I think our our relationship, we were still close, but it was different because I just Mm -hmm. think- for me, I felt like I was going through something like so specific. It's it's so hard to explain what happens when you get pregnant and when you become a mom and when you give birth. And it's like your friends that don't have kids, you tell them certain things, but they don't, they just, you just don't under, really understand and relate until you are there. And I know like she was so supportive and I could tell she was like trying to be as supportive as she could, but I still just felt like she doesn't get it. Like she doesn't understand. But now I feel like we're back to how we were before neither one of us had kids. And we were like, we're super close, like BFFs forever. Not that we weren't, but like, we're here. Like we went out to eat a couple weeks ago and she was like, just so you know, I have the same clothes on from the other day. I said, okay, cool. Cause I haven't showered. So we're here. We're good. And it's like, no judgment, no explanation. And like when we pulled up and we had, lunch it was just the conversation that was, was a good lunch yeah we just laughed about how much of a mess our lives were that week because of everything going on in motherhood and it was it was nice to have you know that type of connection with her so like mm-hmm. to that point we've always had a really good positive supportive relationship and now that we both are mothers it's all of that is kind of bubbled to the surface where mm-hmm. i have some other people that i was you know friends with or whatever and we're not friends anymore not because there's bad blood, but just because the relationship fractured because my life is different and they couldn't adjust to the differences. Like mm-hmm. it's like the things that I'm trying to do, the things that I'm concerned with, the things I want to talk about, the places I want to go, the time I got to be home, like all of that is different now that I'm home. So I wonder for you guys, did you have similar experiences or how were your relationships affected after you became moms, particularly in that like fourth trimester? I would say for me, I kind of learned myself that if I don't want to do it, I'm not doing it before. I feel like I was kind of like a people pleaser, like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta call you right back. Or I have to answer the phone. If you're calling me, even if I'm busy doing something or text you back or do things I don't want to do. And now I'm just like, no, like I have so many unread messages or if, used my big thing is like if my parents call I always try to stop what I'm doing and answering but now it's like I I'm tending to my baby I can't stop tending to him to answer the phone right now like I'll call you back as soon as I can like you know but my priorities have just shifted and it's like you know what if I don't have time to do it I don't want to do it I'm not going to do it so I would say the relationship with myself has definitely changed because I'm learning you know it's okay to say no I don't have to do everything when people want me to do it and I will say for the most part I feel like 
everyone's been pretty understanding, not that they have a choice, but <laughs> they've been receptive. That's so interesting that you say that because I had a, I definitely had a similar experience. And I remember one of my best friends, I, and I talked about her a few times now, her name is Nina. When she first had her daughter, I used to be like, I would text her and I wouldn't get a response for days. And I would be like, damn, now I know you didn't look at your phone for the past two days. Like I, like I wouldn't say that to her, but in my head, I would be like, I know she saw my mess. Da, 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 da. And then after I had my baby, she would be reaching out to me and it would be days before I would like, I would see her message, but it's just like responding to you right now is not mm-hmm. a priority. I'm right. not ignoring you. There's no love lost. And she was like, mm-hmm, I told you. She's like, right. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you used to be all in your feelings. And I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> it ain't nothing like, personal. It's, it's nothing, nothing personal. Yeah. So it's like the things that I used to take personally. It's like, now I actually issued like a blanket apology to all of the mothers in my life when I became one. Cause I was like, I am so sorry. Like I was especially like my sister. I was like, I am so sorry for all the unsolicited advice I gave. For all of it. Like I just went down a list because it's like now I get it. I actually shared a post on Facebook the other day. Like I remember what you're about to talk about. It was like Christmas time. You know, they give you the memories. Mm-hmm. And like six years ago, I shared some shit and it was like, oh, on Christmas. Or was it Christmas? No, it was. It was Halloween Easter. or Easter. It was something Easter. like go hide stuff. Yeah, it was Easter. It was like if you can't do an Easter egg hunt outside, you should hide thing. You could you should make a scavenger hunt inside yeah. and put a note inside every egg and blah 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 blah. And I like it was an it wasn't even a pin. It was an idea that I came up with. And I was like, when I have a fan, I can't wait to do this with my family. And that was six years ago. So when it popped up in my memories, I reshared it. And I was like, this is the type of shit people without kids suggest. <laughs> there's no way in hell I'm going to do that shit now for Trey. It has time for that. And find yeah. his little plastic eggs. <laughs> what? Holiday. Avenger hunt? Bye, girl. <laughs> that is crazy. But Erica, what about you? Um, I would say I probably had similar experiences to you, Brianna. I, but I would say one thing that definitely has changed is I've always been somewhat of a, when I was younger, I was very, very shy. But as, as I've gotten older, I've lost some of the shyness, but I'm still like, I really only share things with people that are like really close to me and I'm not a super open, open person. And I'm not like, you know how when you're younger, your mom would just start talking to random people at the grocery store and you're like, why are you talking to these people? And now I get it. Like you can spark up a conversation with another mom that, you know, either is older or has their child with them and they you just have that common bond. And mm-hmm. I feel like that definitely just having Elijah and going through everything I've gone through, it kind of opened has opened me up and allowed me to let people in a little bit more mm-hmm. and not be so secluded like we all especially as moms are going through the similar things and or have been through them and we can understand we just have that camaraderie with each other um and then as far as like my friends i would say it definitely it's definitely probably brought us closer. Like not not only friends, but like my mom and my grandmother and just people that I maybe wasn't super close with or we didn't have that type of connection with. Mm-hmm. It's kind of opened that up. And it's, it definitely has helped me in that aspect for sure. 
Yeah. I would say the same thing about the openness. I think, I mean, I don't know. I've kind of always been an open book if you ask me. Like, I don't necessarily mm -hmm. volunteer things, but I don't hide anything. So, like, you could ask me anything and I'm either going to tell you that's none of your business or I'm going to just tell you whatever you just asked. But mm -hmm. more forthcoming with the information and more open to, like, talking to people that I don't even know. Yeah. Because you're almost like on a hunt, like, <laughs> who like, mom to? like, where can I find somebody else that knows like what I'm going through? And mm -hmm. I think even like on social media, it's a girl in my DMs right now. I don't even know the nice young lady's name, but she saw like one of the reels that I reposted from our podcast page. And she was like, girl, yes. And then we've been just kind of like side chatting here and there about things i'm like yes because they don't know this motherhood shit is hard like we you know just kind of like cheering each other on and being supports and i think that's important like and so going back to like telling the truth and being honest with yourself and others and asking for help it's like if you don't speak up if you don't share you don't know it can feel like what you're experiencing is only happening to you i know for yeah. me Mm -hmm. And I know in learning how to be more open and sharing and like available and um, open to new relationships and new connections, I've, I know now that I'm not alone. And it's also empowered me to share even more of my story and like to do this with you. That's why mm -hmm. when you reached out and was like, I have this idea you probably think it sounds crazy. And I was like, uh, no, it sounds brilliant <laughs> because these people need to know the real shit that happens. Like I, I, that's one of the things that I just kept asking myself and others, like why during my fourth trimester, how come this isn't like published somewhere? Mm -hmm. Like how come this isn't like easily accessible common knowledge. Like, why do I not know this? Especially when you get on the phone with mom and grandma and all the older cousins and people that have babies and they're like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what yeah. you, mm -hmm. why you ain't tell me about it before? Like, what you wrote it, it down for me or something? Right. Like, but it's, I think it's because like going back to what I was saying about Ashley and I's relationship, like even if I explained it, she wouldn't have got it. Right. Like That's you true. don't get it until you go through it. And my mom said that to me recently because she loves listening to the podcast. And she's like, you know, I really love everything you guys talk about. But she's like, I have to tell you something like a lot of this stuff you're saying I didn't tell you. I did tell you, but you just couldn't hear it then. And now, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you've been through it and you know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. I mean, there's <laughs> there are there's certain things for sure. Like just being so tired all the time in general, even now, like I just put Elijah to sleep before we got in here. And I fell asleep in there with him before mm -hmm. he even fell asleep. Like I always doze off in there. It's nothing for me to fall asleep in there. And that's just something, you know, and she's, I remember being a kid and like, we'd be hanging out on a weekend or something like that. And she's like, I'm just going to rest my eyes for a second. I'm like, what do you mean? You're going to rest your eyes? Like, what, who wants to do that? Who I love a good eye rest. What's the best? I will lay down in the middle of the carpet and let Trey put all type of shit on yep. me while I just... <laughs> And he'll be like, Mama, and we'll doze off for a second and yes. be like, okay, like, Mama, hold on. Mama, you okay? You okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, all right, keep going. Keep going. Rest in her eyes. Because I'm going to get this rest. And I, like I talked about in the first um, season, like my mom, and Ashley can attest to this because she's spending the night with us all the time. Yeah. My mom would pull up to the house and just sit in the car for hours. And we would be like, what is she doing? 
and she wasn't doing shit. She was just doing shit nothing herself with no kids, yeah. nobody asking her in. And it's like, you just, I think that's another thing that I just being a mother in general has taught me is the value of time. Please, please use your time wisely before you have a child because it just, at least for me, and I know for all of us, because we're, you know, really involved and dedicated mothers. I feel like if, if Trey is in my orbit, I need to be with him. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be building blocks and putting together puzzles or reading a book or playing pretend or singing a song like, and that's all the time. Like, so then when do you have time to do anything else? And I think in that fourth trimester, that's when you really get a, like you experience that for the first time, mm-hmm. that time commitment that you don't have a choice about. Like you can't be like, all right, playboy, I'll see you in an hour. Especially then, like right. no. stream, like he, they need you for everything. Yes. There's no like, you sit here while I go take a shower real quick. Like that's not happening at all. How did you guys handle that? And cause that was a, that was a, a riddle for me at first. I was like, so what do I do if I, if he's awake, but I need to take a shower? I think I only showered like when Jonathan was here Same. or like accessible. Like I never, I remember my mom saying that she would like bring me, like put me in the car carry and just like bring me in the bathroom with her. I don't think I ever did it. That's what I did. I didn't, I'm not the car carrier. He had like, when he was big enough, when he was like an infant, I'd probably say like month one, like month one to two and a month, two and a half. I would just wait till he was asleep. And then I would go take a shower. I would wait till Eric was home and I would take a shower. But then when he got older, I would put him in like the little bouncer chair. It like vibrated, the chair vibrated Mm. and it had like the little rattles or whatever on it and I would bring him in the bathroom and put him on the floor and take a shower with the curtain open yeah <laughs> I was like I don't know what the rules are but I'm pretty sure it's okay because you're my son and you yeah. don't even know, what don't know what's going on. just be like <laughs> and like look at me crazy and I would be like mommy has to shower and then washing my hair you know I have a lot of hair and I would have to wash it and then blow dry it like it's a whole ordeal and mm. I remember like I would pray over him like like, please just stay asleep long enough for mommy to take a shower and wash her hair. And you don't move as fast as you used to because mm-hmm. you're still recovering from your C-section and you're moving on like 20 minutes of sleep probably. Right. And you really, it's a choice. Every time your child is asleep, it is a choice. Do I, A, sleep, B, wash my ass, C, <laughs> eat, D, do some combination of B through C, B and C, or do I eat, try to do all of the above? And I would always try to do all of the above. I'd be like, okay, of course, I'm going to shower. I'm going to wash my hair. I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to, you know, do whatever it is I had to do around the house. And then I'm asleep. And ev- without fail, every single time I would get to the last task and get ready to lay down. And like five minutes later, my man's always. would wake up. Always. And I would be like, until eventually... I'd probably say around month four, like outside of the fourth trimester, I probably was like, F it. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to sleep. Like, I'm going to sleep. And that's the smart thing to do. Just like when they tell you right before you have the baby, like rest as much as you can, just sleep and rest. And of course you don't because you're trying to nest. You're trying yeah, to get the room ready. You're trying to do all this stuff. 
I was kicking myself. Like, why didn't I take my ass to sleep? Especially because, well, when in the third trimester, sleep is just like awful. You're just so uncomfortable. But I remember getting the same advice, like sleep as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, it's, I have questions for God. Like when I get there, I'm like, can you just, just come sit next to me real quick? I just got a few questions. I'm not even going to take up too much of your time. But like the sleep that you get while pregnant is the best sleep that you will oh, ever have in your life. Ever. It's almost like God gives you this gift. Like, here you go. I want you go ahead. Sleep, baby. Because mm-hmm, you ain't never going to sleep right again. Like, yeah. <laughs> what it is. Years. Girl, that's literally what it is. Like, even now, like we talked about, like my sleep, the only time I sleep really good is like on the weekends. I've started to just go back to my fourth trimester, end of fourth trimester vibes. If it's the weekend and Trey's taking a nap, Trey takes a nap. I don't care what I have going on. If I'm home, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to take me a, a night. And it's like the best sleep ever. Oh, the naps are always the best. Yes. At nap time, sleep is is the best. It It really... And I really started doing that because I noticed me like physically I'm exhausted even now, like he's two years old and I'm, I'm tired. And I think in fourth trimester, I I was tired, but as far as like how I felt physically, like about my body and things like that, I was okay, actually, which for me was surprising. And we talked about this a little bit in season one when we talked about our body confidence episode, or we had our body confidence episode. But I, you know, shared that I've always been someone that's had like, I think we all obviously have insecurities, but I've, I think I've leaned into mine a little bit more than maybe others have traditionally. But I felt good in my fourth trimester. Like I had gained a bit of weight, <laughs> um, to put it mildly as I've previously shared, but I do remember losing like 30 pounds of it quickly, like within the first month. And Mm -hmm. I remember just feeling proud of my body, like daring somebody to say something because, and I used to say like, I'd laid on the table and let them saw me down near in half to bring this little boy into the world. So if you don't like this belly, don't look like (laughs) I was just, and I kind of still have that, um, not kind of, I do. I just like, as far as like how I feel physically and how I feel about myself physically, it's a work in progress. Like I've, I'm so much kinder to myself Mm -hmm. and so much have given myself way more grace than I ever have before. Like I do a lot. I Mm -hmm. take care of another human being full time and that's not even counting everything else that I do. Like just the fact that I do that is enough. And so to expect me to look like something that's fake on TV, like y'all got me effed up over here. So, and it's not, and it's less about, it's not even really about that, but I think that's what so many people, there's like the snap back this, and you're supposed to like, when you have a baby, you're supposed to snap back and be happy that you're a mom. And it's like, if anything else is going on, right. If anything else is going on, it's like, you can't talk about it. Or like, there's a stigma around it. So I'm curious to know for you guys, um, how, well, Ashley, in your case, how do you feel? And Erica, how did you feel like physically as far as your body? I know we talked about healing and stuff after the C-section, but just like you, in your own body as a woman, did you feel any differently or what were kind of your initial emotions in that fourth trimester? You can go ahead, Ashley. 
I think for me, it's so tricky because if I'm being honest, like I wasn't really happy with my body prior to becoming pregnant. So, and it's so funny because when I was pregnant, my friends who weren't, um, I'm like, man, I can't wait for my belly to pop out. Like I'm ready to like really look pregnant. And my friends who are pretty much in safe, they're like, why, why? I hope I don't pop until last. I'm like, girl, cause I'm already kind of fluffy. Like I want the belly to pop out. So at least it's like, yeah, here I have, I'm, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I'm not that. Like, <laughs> so I will say like, after having Alex, it's like, wow, my body is amazing. Like you said, Brie, like I basically got caught in, cut in half, delivered this damn near 10 pound baby who is healthy and just amazing and so handsome. And it's like, I, I did that. Like I need to give myself, like you guys said in your first uh, episode, but guilt to grace, give myself some grace. Like mm-hmm. I, I just did that. I had a whole human and being back to what I was prior to, or trying to get some crazy goals that's not realistic right after mm-hmm. having a baby should be my top priority my top priority should be healing myself mentally and physically internally after having a baby and focusing on that and just trying to be present in the moment with my kid instead of spending 50 hours in the gym or not trying to eat and especially like with nursing like you have to eat and stay on top of like your fluids and things like that to mm-hmm. keep your supply up so it's just not some of these things that we see on TV and it's just not realistic and it's sad that that's what we have to see and try to, you know, compare ourselves to when it's not, it's not ideal. Mm-hmm. No, it's not, the, and it's not the majority. Like it's the people that have the money and the resources to make that mm-hmm. happen and somebody to care for their kids and you know, all of that. Um, I would say for me, I honestly, I wasn't really thinking about it that much. Like, I don't feel like I really looked in the mirror for like at least a month after I had Elijah. Like I don't Mm. like I would look to like brush my teeth or something like that, but I wasn't like really looking at myself until probably when I went back to work. And then I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was wondering, do you think maybe that somehow also Mm -hmm. coincided with your baby blues? I think so. Yeah. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't, concerned or it wasn't even on my radar like my body at that point besides Mm -hmm. like my you know my c-section scar and making sure sure that was fine and you know all the bleeding and all that we talked about before that of course I paid attention to but like my body I really and I, I lost a good bit of weight like immediately so I didn't feel like too crazy and I didn't expect my stomach to like you know go back down immediately or anything like that um, but I, I, yeah, I didn't really think about my body until I went back to work. So like when I had to put, go put real clothes on oh, and be yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I can't really fit nothing. And why can I still wear some of my maternity stuff? Like I should, <laughs> it's already been three months. I should be all right to wear some other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I had actually gotten like to a good weight right before I got pregnant where I was very comfortable. And then I lost a bunch of weight my first trimester. And then I gained all that plus a lot more <laughs> afterwards. So I definitely was like, once I went back to work, then I was like, okay, I got to kind of get it together because I want to get back to how I was. And I still am not back to how I was, but. Same here. And I was actually okay. thinking about that. like, to, And I had to stop myself and give myself the grace because I was like, dang, is people that are in there, because I don't remember who, I was either looking at somebody or talking to somebody who recently had a baby. And they were like, oh yeah, I'm only 10 pounds away from 
where I was before. But I think like similar to you, Ashley, part of mine too is like, I'm at my pre-pregnancy weight, but I wasn't happy with that. So it's not about like losing the weight or like getting in a certain shape because I had Trey. It's just like, I'm back to where I was before I got pregnant, like Mm -hmm. just wanting to look in, but it's less, it, for me before was all about the look. Mm -hmm. If I'm being honest, which of course I have to be in, you know, um, it was all about the look. I didn't, it wasn't about health. It wasn't about how I felt about myself. Like those things would come naturally when I would like be on track and trying to lose or get into a certain number, but it was all about the number on the scale and the way that I looked period. Now Mm -hmm. it's really about, it's not about the look as much it is, but it's not about before it's about the look and what others thought about the look. Now it's about the look and what I see. Like, I don't really care what others think and how others see me or what their opinions of me may be. It's about what I see and what I don't like and what I do like and knowing that I have the power to change it. But that's a small piece. The bigger piece is really about my health because it's, Mm -hmm. I've been like, I was sick last week. I was sick a couple months ago and I'm just like, every time I, I get sick, I'm like, I got to act like a grown up. Like I have to get my shit together because like the older people in my life, now they're getting older and older and people having surgeries and all of this and all of that. And, you know, we black folks talk, yeah, that's because all that stuff you eating and all this, 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 that. But in 30 years, that could be me. And I don't want Trey mm-hmm. to have to be burdened with me because I didn't make the right choices for myself now. Like, just like how I make sure he eats right and he gets like, you know, just, I have to take care of myself just as much as I take care of him. And sometimes that self-care is like putting down the bag of chips or not eating the fruit snacks when he eats the fruit snacks. It's just Mm -hmm. sure that I'm putting good things in my body. So I have the energy just to get through the day to work, to do like the reel I put on Instagram today to do dinner time, to do play time, to do laundry, to do bath time, to do it all really. Mm-hmm. And not just want to curl up in a ball at the end of the day. So, but in that fourth trimester, I was really, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like it wasn't like, oh, let me get in the gym or let me do this. It was just more so like you said, Erica, like being aware of my scar, making sure that I was healing internally. So I would go for walks and stuff, but I would be cognizant of how I felt to make sure I didn't overdo it. And then Mm -hmm. like you said, Ashley, I gave myself more grace than I have ever in my adult life. I, every time I would be like, "Mm, I don't like that. Like looking at my stomach, it'd be like, well, ma'am, you just had a whole baby come out of there. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't flat before. So so what world are you living in? Like what you thought it was going to look like? I just want to know why they couldn't give us a little tummy tuck. I would really like to know, like if I ever get famous or cause y'all know Lala is my fake friend. She'd be in my DMs on Instagram. I sent her the link the other day. I was like, Hey boo, listen. (laughs) Um, I want to know, like, is there a two for one special that's only offered to people with a certain amount of money? Like after they get the baby out, are they like sucking and tucking it in a different way? Because there's no way in hell that these women no, because I see women that have like the six packs and all of that before they give birth and they have C-sections and like non-celebrity women and they still have like a little pooch situation. It's very minor. Like, 
I would take it in a heartbeat. Like yes. I'd be fine with it. Right. But it's not like, you know, they're washboard abs or whatever. So when, you know, and I, I don't even know, I know Beyonce had a C-section with her twins. Um, I can't think of any other celebrities right now that had C-sections, but I was looking at a list recently and I was like, but she ain't got no stomach though. Like, <laughs> So tucked up. That's well. Britney Spears had C-sections with her babies. Oh yeah, like so. Black China. So I'm trying to figure out like, do y'all just do an extra couple G's and they were like, listen, just you know, that's inequitable. That should be available for everybody. Because I'm going to pay this high-ass hospital bill anyway. So go ahead and I'll pay an extra. I'm already cutting. Right. Right. I'll pay. You're already in there. I'm already like, just knock me out. Do what y'all gotta do, and then you know the consolation prize because mm-hmm. the stomach, the belly be bellying. Definitely, it takes a lot, but I do think too it like you're stronger. I was doing a Peloton ride last night, and the um, instructor Robin, she's one of them, but she was she's like an athlete. She had a six pack before she gave birth, had a C section, and now. Six pack is back. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, she was talking about, she says it a lot on her rides. Like if you're a caregiver, so if you're a mother, if you're you know caring for elderly, whatever, she just talked about how like you have to give yourself grace and you have to take care of yourself. And sometimes self-care looks like the things that we don't want to do, like mm-hmm. being on this bike right. <laughs> because I didn't really want to do it, but it's just balancing it all. And I think the fourth trimester is really that's why they call it the fourth trimester because it's another three months where you are experiencing new things because each, you know, trimester of being pregnant, you're experiencing new things, your body is changing, you're preparing for the next phase. And I think that fourth trimester is just that you're adjusting from being pregnant. You and everybody around you is adjusting to how this new life has changed everything. So you're changing and because you're changing, you know, your relationships are changing, your body's changing, your hormones are changing. So it's just really a change period, but it's one that for whatever reason, isn't discussed at all. I don't know why. And I think that's a gap, one of the major gaps in like the healthcare system. Like you go to the doctor like a billion times when you're pregnant, after you give birth, you're required to go maybe twice. Like I had to go to get my staples removed and then I had to go to my regular six week. And then it was like, okay, see you at your annual. Like I only had to go once. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. It's like, Mm -hmm. good luck out there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't have one. Like I'll see. Yeah. I'm just out here on my own. I'm thugging it right now. To the doctor for your baby, like every day. Like we mm-hmm. want to see you three days after we want to see you back at a month. We want to see you back at three months. We want to see you back at, but they don't give it. They, they just like, all right, we'll see you in a year. Good luck. Don't right. get popped off again. Don't get pregnant again. Like, Oh yeah. My doctor did say that. She's like, listen, now you're going to be really fertile. So just make sure if you don't want to have one right away, that you're doing what you need to do. It's like, well, thanks ma'am. It's like what you yeah. <laughs> like, thank you. Thanks a lot for that. Fourth trimester, y'all, it is, they call it that for a reason. The three months after you give birth to your baby, I think key takeaways, be kind to yourself. Yes. Always give yourself grace. I think that could be like 
a tagline for us because yes. I feel like everything. Yeah, give yourself right. grace. Yes. grace. Yes, hashtag yeah. grace. Yep. Ask and receive help. Yes, took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. Ask, Ask and receive and help. Receive it. Yes, and most of all, enjoy the moment because mm-hmm. I know, like, in prep for this episode. Erica and I were saying that we had to really kind of like dig in the crates and reflect on that time because you Mm -hmm. almost kind of block it out because it can be so tough. So much goes on and time moves like that and you kind of forget about it. And then when you get to going through those old pictures and videos, you're like, where did my baby go? He was so little. That I know, Ashley, you keep saying, oh, Trey's at such a fun age. And he is, but man, I'm, I remember when he was three months old and I could still just lay him on my chest and snuggle and like all of that. And now he's like, no mama, I want fruit snacks. And I want, (laughs) you know, and there's, there's joys in every phase of motherhood, but there's something so special about that fourth trimester, that first three months. And I know you're just coming out of it. So you'll be, um, Ashley, you'll be experiencing the next wave, and now yeah. he's gonna be yeah. to crawl around. And half next Saturday, he'll be four months. I can't like I can't believe I have a four month old on the fourteenth. It flies by. It flies by that first year, especially. It's like you turn, you blink your eyes, and they're walking and one years old and saying stuff and eating real food. Like what? Yeah, yeah, like, look back at pictures, I'm like, you are so different from like two weeks ago. Yeah, they change so much during the fourth. Yeah, it's rapid. Like they're everything changes. Like they're. I remember um, Trey's grandmother, Eric's mom. The first time she met him, I caught her. She was trying to like shape his nose. She was like, (laughs) you know, black people like they like, oh, you gotta shave his nose and shave his nose. And she was like, no, I wasn't. I was like, I saw you. She was like this, and he was just like moving his little nose. And his no, and now that he's getting older, because Trey, you know, they still change even at two and three years old. Mm-hmm. The more I look at him now, I was like, oh, you have your dad's nose. Cause I couldn't figure out whose nose he had in the beginning. And now I'm like, you have, you look like your dad. You have your dad's nose, which is great. Cause mm-hmm. they have, he has a good nose. But I just think <laughs> it's cute, like how much they change and how, and those little old, we'll never know if it's true or not, those old, like wives tales where it's like, oh, you know, you got to shake the baby's head and you can't yeah. don't have him looking crazy because his eyes going to get stuck this way. And don't were there any of those things that people told you that you like subscribe to or anything that people told you that actually like came true for y'all? My, when I was pregnant, my mom told me I shouldn't be reaching over my head. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I, I her and miscarried, and I was like, "Why?" And they were like, "Oh, something about the umbilical cord can be around the baby's neck and choke him." <laughs> so oh, I asked my, doctor, that my doctor, and my doctor was like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one. Only one I heard was the heartburn. Like, if you have a lot of heartburn, your baby has a lot of hair, and I had heartburn like crazy. Elijah was damn near bald headed when he was born. <laughs> I know you I don't know. I I definitely heard a lot, was on the receiving end of a lot, but I'd say the biggest one was like the heartburn one for sure. And then um one that used to freak me out was about like because you know, when you lay them down on their backs, which is often and at their age, they're gonna look all over the place. 
Mm-hmm. And I was told that if they are like looking too far up, like trying to look at something behind them, then they're going to be cross-eyed. So I would never, ever, ever like lay Trey down for too long. If I like, I used to get so paranoid. And then I thought Trey had a lazy eye for like the first two months of his life. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause they do get that eye that'll be wandering yes. off. Yes. <laughs> I was in shambles. Elijah had that too. <laughs> I was Googling it. And like the surgery that it would take to fix it. And my sister was like, he's fine. And I was like, no, do you see? See, watch the white, the right eye is just going to wander a little bit. And my grandmother, God rest her soul. I love her. She, when she was younger, she had like a wandering eye and she had to get it fixed. I was like, oh shit, he didn't caught the shit from my Nana. <laughs> I'm like, what's so, but it was just like, so guys, if your baby's <laughs> eyes wander, <laughs> it takes longer for their eye muscles to develop and to strengthen. So that's normal. Don't be like me. Don't freak out. It got to the point where I was calling his doctor so much, like on call after hours, because every little thing I'm like, what's this, what's this, what's this? That when I came to his, like, I want to say like one month appointment, she gave me this book called Baby 411. So recommend it to anybody listening. And she was like, this is what I call my baby Bible. I give this to all my new parents. She's like, you can always call me, but before you do, look in the book. She's like, I guarantee the answer to your question will be in the book. And it was in the book. Like everything was in the book. The thing about the eyes, sleeping, feeding. I need to get this book. Rolling. I'm going to give you mine. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you mine. Because I have like, you'll see where I've like checked off like the developmental stuff for Trey. Because I was just so (laughs) terrified that something was wrong with him. And I was overlooking a sign and Mm. couldn't catch it. Like crazy. Hormones, of course. Like you worry about everything. You pick up on everything. But I digress. Fourth trimester. It's a real thing. Give yourself grace. Ask and receive the help and enjoy. Enjoy it because it truly is a precious and priceless time. It is. The best time. Yes. So, Ashley, thank you so much yes, for being our special guest. Yes, you did great. Thank you so much. We'll have you back for future episodes, I'm sure, because that's the great yeah. thing. Erica and I say it all the time. That's the great thing about our podcast is we'll never run out of things to talk about. Never. Yeah. Never. Keep growing, and we're going to keep experiencing things. And something that we said in the last um, episode, and I think, you know, recurring theme for this season, Erica said it great yesterday. We want to hear from you guys. Like, we want to hear from you guys. We want to know your stories, your questions, like what were your experiences in the fourth trimester? Um, You know, with all the topics that we touched on today, like submit things, you guys can follow us and DM us on our Instagram at shit your mama ain't tell you. Um, And who knows, maybe we'll have you guys on and you can be a guest. I know Eric and I have talked about doing like something like a happy hour style thing. So who knows, just submit, like, follow, share, subscribe, and Tune in next week. We're talking mental health. Yes. Big one. one. Yes. Very big topic. Very important topic. So again, thank you, Ashley. Thank so you, much. Thank, for you. thank you. Yes. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned some more shit your mama ain't tell you about motherhood. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tune in weekly for brand new episodes. 
For more about the Shit Your Mama Ain't Tell You podcast, follow us on Instagram at Shit Your Mama Ain't Tell You. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time.